The Q has gotten a bad rep. Somewhere in the computer age and the onslaught of conspiracy theories, this dumb cult of fringe believers went and took what was once an adorable nickname for an underground and beloved bar band and tarnished it. Much like me, when I play my favorite card game, Euchre, a game that relies heavily on which suit is going to be considered Trump. That aside, those in the know, I mean in the rock and roll know, know that the Q is actually the shortened name for the Rhythm and Blues Quartet, more commonly known as NRBQ. The Q is under the food microscope today, so welcome, friends, to the only show turning bands into foods one artist at a time. Today on... This Band and Be Your Food. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to another episode of This Band Could Be Your Food, a podcast where we examine the bands that have helped shape pop music culture and figure out where in the cookbook of music they would be. Today, we're talking about the greatest bar band in the world, NRBQ, a band that has spent its entirety under the radar. You likely haven't seen them on TV, at least knowingly, You probably haven't heard them on the radio. They are the definition of a word-of-mouth phenomenon without ever really becoming a phenomenon. Lucky for you, we're letting you in on the secret of the amazing, incomparable band NRBQ. Joining me is a genuine, bona fide lover of all things Q, Madison, Wisconsin's journalist, radio personality, musician, former longtime host of the 30-Minute Music Hour program, and all-around lover of great music, Andy Moore. Now, Andy is old school. Like me, he is an avid collector of vinyl, old acoustic instruments, as well as great stories. Trust me when I tell you, you are in good hands to experience an intimate examination of this truly timeless band. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing NRBQ. Young man, good to see you. Good to see you, Nate. I mean, Nathan. Mm, you can call me whatever. Just don't call me late for dinner. I would never do that. No. Not on a food show. Absolutely not. I became aware of your love of NRBQ in, in the realm of uh, social media because um, I became a huge fan of the song Hot Biscuits and Sweet Marie. Not written by NRBQ, but certainly recorded by NRBQ. In the lamest of ways, um, one day my Spotify, while I was out for a run, was tracking the pace for which I was running and said, we recommend these songs. And Hot Biscuits and Sweet Marie came on and it was just a slam dunk. It's like, cool. oh my God, this song is so fantastic. Are you telling me that's the first time you heard NRBQ? You know, that's the first time that I really identified with NRBQ. I certainly <laughs> knew I certainly knew that they were a band, but 
they weren't really necessarily on my radar. Like my streams of of finding music, like they weren't on 120 minutes. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if I was really paying attention much to The Simpsons at that period of yeah when they appeared on The yeah. Simpsons. Yeah, I mean they 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 were obviously within the fabric of of music forevermore. Um, but it just well, you know you're you're not unlike so many people. You know, ex- yeah, who, exactly. Who bump into them, you know, on the bus like that. Or, um, and you use the word extreme. Um, they're, they're, they're extreme in every way, yet they're so down to earth. I mean, Hot Biscuits <laughs> and Sweet Marie is, a, is, is in, in their hands mm-hmm. is, is um, just rambunctious and, and so fertile and full mm-hmm. of life. And, um, and so I, I could see why, you know, kind of minding your own business and getting a song like that in your head Cold. You have to be predisposed to laugh and giggle and smile to yes. like the cue. And so I I perceive all of those things to be in, in your wheelhouse as well. Certainly. So um, I could that, that that song that, that was a that was that was sent from God, Nate. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yes. I think you're right. Um, but that's actually it's it's not fair for me to say that that is the first time. I and I'm not sure why it is, but I have for NRBQ records uh, because I just was sh- like shopping for records one day uh, at a funny enough at a record store that is in my neighborhood, but I wasn't living here when I bought it. I used to know a guy who would um, supply me, um, you know, let's say recreational medical. Um, anyways, this was like when I first psilocybin, moved, well, something like this. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's in green point. Anyways, oh, okay. There's a there's a record store that uh, just had like a slew of them, eight dollars a piece. I just said, you know what? I've been hearing about this band. Let me check them out. And I bought them and, you know, I liked them, but they didn't make repeated, you know, landings on my turntable. Uh, it, it, it because their their music is it encompasses so many different things. It's hard to really pinpoint like the mood for which. I'm going to need NRBQ in that particular moment, at you least know, upon first listen. Yeah, a couple things on that. Um, a, these days in particular, and by these days, I mean even just the last eight or ten years as I've traveled around the country hitting used record stores, it's very hard to find uh, used vinyl uh, NRBQ records. And I yeah. always talk to the record shop owners about it. That's the first thing I ask them when yeah. I burst in. I don't care if I'm in Portland you know, LA or Austin, yeah. Indianapolis, Louisville, you got in the NRBQ and they all say the same thing. It's like people that buy NRBQ records don't resell them. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they fucking hold on to them. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and, and they're, you know, they're a piece of furniture in their lives when you, when you have NRBQ now with regards to sort of your um, deference to, to some of the, the, the the way they ebb and flow on on any you know from one track to the next with their styles and 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 their and their own choices um it, it's kind of a tired thing to observe about a band because people do it so often with so many bands but honest to god um <laughs> i don't even want to say it because it sounds so hackneyed but hearing nrbq live is is the source of life itself um yes uh, the translation of of their energies live um, uh, is 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 so right in front of your eyes and so magical. And and going back to their ebb and flow and their and uh, their music vocabulary was so large that they could 
actually pull a, a, a song out of midair that, that perfectly suited their mood on stage. And I'm putting this in the past tense, of course, they're still making this happen. Right. But uh, the, the shows that I savor happened some time ago in, in a, in a, with an ensemble that we'll, that we'll talk about, I'm sure, but that in the moment. Um, and, and, uh, and so if they felt like playing a song, they had this enormous vocabulary and they could just pull it and to see a band that's playing not only what they want, but what represents how they feel at that second, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, these days, it's it doesn't happen with any bands. You know, with the modern infusion of playing to backing tracks and having like pre-programmed light shows and video, you know, most bands out there are playing the same set every single night. I cannot imagine the like ice picking that I would do to my head if I had to do that every single night. I mean, like talk about just removing all the satisfaction of like a live performance where it's, you know, you, you are feeling it. It's, it's an organism. It's like a wine, you know, it changes from, from moment to moment. And, and, you know, something that's going to be appropriate right now might not be appropriate in five minutes. And it's just like, you've got to like savor that one particular moment in time. Cause it's the only moment in time is is right now so like wouldn't you wouldn't you agree that even studio recording and, and studio production work can, it, it, i suppose that that's the challenge in, in in the lab that is a studio but you know they don't call it digital information for nothing especially these days when you can do a billion takes um mm. it, you know you can you can check your heart at the door and go in there and and, and lay them down i i don't know there's there, there's something um, you know, not to make the live and, and recorded comparison, you know, too overtly, but but the, it, it, uh, I, I do applaud um, NRBQ for being able, um, of course, to have um, a, a live record, but to, to, to many to, live to, records to, to open yeah. the, the jar of that live mood in the studio. I think that that they're pretty successful at doing that. Certainly, uh, but it's, it's sort- not the it- same. Yeah. No, but it's it's sort of the blessing and the curse, I think, with with that band is that their identity really rests within their live show. And to translate that to recording, there's always just sort of something missed. You know, there's a lot of bands that know how to, I don't know, they just translate better with um, the slicker production or. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's it's good for everybody, but you know, it's obviously just never never quite clicked for an RBQ, and that's why <laughs> many of you probably have never even heard of an RBQ or just it, heard them in passing, or you know. But lots of bands love them, uh, and 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 like REM when they yes. when they start when they took off, uh, they they hired the Q. Um, and it's funny when you think about it, REM to me falls into that category of this of the slicker, like pretty damn polished produced um sure, yeah. in the studio and then mm-hmm. here's this rawness of, of nrbq the only person i can think of off the top of my head nate that gets into this i keep apologizing for the they're better live than than on recording category i, I don't know why i'm so, so self-conscious about that but but the only artist that that gives me the thrill um and that in the moment oh my god he's doing this pretty much because it's making him happy is Jonathan Richmond. We need more parties in the USA. Well now, more Popeye, Popeye, Lupe, Lupe. And got to have more hang on, Super, Lupe, hang on. Ah, wow. That's a really great association. I mean, I, 
feel like the two of them have a lot of parallels in that in that regard as well. Yeah. Um, God, I never even thought about him. Right. He, he he's a um a little more highfalutin with his with his with his humor. Yeah. Also but from he, Massachusetts. That's well, of course, that's where the Q kind of are in a home base now, or at Just, least Terry. Um, and have been for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, just even the geographic um, yeah. uh, similarity. But this, but the, I also you just you can't talk for more than every, every ninety seconds in an NRBQ conversation. If you're not invoking humor and the right to laugh and and the celebration of of so many genres and 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 and, and you know the the pleasure that music is meant to, to give you and the provocation. Um, uh, but, but if, if you're not mentioning the humor with them, um, every 90 seconds and we should keep track here as we yeah. go, um, mm-hmm. then you're not, we, we just can't drive that point home hard enough, Nate. For sure. You're absolutely right. Which is, um, you know, not very bands can really bring humor to the table and do it in a way that is, um, you know, just like palatable, let's say, or that is palatable. Like, I don't know, Frank Zappa for me, uh, mm. that the, the humor, I don't know. I guess I just don't get his jokes, but you know, uh, but it, it works for like, say the dead milkmen. Um, mm-hmm. Also, also East coast band. I think they're from Delaware mm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ween is another one I can think of. Um, yeah. But these are yeah. still like more extreme fish. Another, another East Coast mm-hmm. band. They've got a sense of humor. Um, but NRBQ, yeah, wears it on their sleeves at all time. And it comes through in the recording. It comes through in their song choices. I love, there's an, there's an album. Uh, I think it's a live record. And the very, the very last song is the band doing karaoke for Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel. And every single member of the band like takes a different verse. And they recorded it and put it out. <laughs> I'll take you just the way you are. It's so well, ridiculous. It, 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 you know, it's um, I, I appreciate the similarities that you made, but none of those um, examples uh, are, are are on the trapeze without a net. The way in our BQ pushes sure. themselves yeah. to be, or or right. are just organically. Yes. Um, um, the, the, I, yeah. the jokes are not like prepackaged. They're when you when you. Talked about your, the, I mean, yeah. What you see is what what they are. When you talked about that, um, just the way you are karaoke thing, it reminds me of their famous um, gimmick uh, and gag, the magic box. Yes. Um, and um, if for folks who um, uh, aren't familiar with NRBQ's um, some of their rituals, most every show uh, they'll bring out the magic box, and this Nate just speaks, I think, to what we're talking about with regards to risk taking and hundred percent and the ability to back it up. And so, um, the, uh, in my memory of the magic boxes that I've seen, um, it's really old fashioned. It's like, it's like old children's TV, almost the way they, they present it. Um, and, and you, you write down on a slip of paper, um, a song that you want them to play. Yeah. <laughs> you be know, it, this isn't brilliantly original, but then you be, put it in the magic box. <laughs> but be it a song that they know or a song that they don't Any know. song in the goddamn universe. The world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that was what was so special about it, and and all ball, also ballsy. Um, yeah. And then they would draw. It's time for the box, and they would draw it. And um, I never saw or heard of them being stumped on the song itself. 
Mm. And and they got all. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, in all the shows, I've seen them, and I bet I've seen them twenty times. Wow. Uh, maybe more. I never saw them stump on the on the number. Yeah. But of course, they didn't know the words, and so sure. the He's first time I saw them uh, <laughs> with the magic box, um, you know what they drew? Hmm. The theme song from the television show Bonanza. Ooh. Um, and it's sort of this galloping, you know, you know, it's like, can I, can I tell you something that's funny? That's actually my ringtone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You. That is funny. <laughs> that's a, super weird. And I, funny. Ch- I chuckle every time I, my phone rings. Anyway, <laughs> how often does um, the topic of bonanza come up uh, out of the blue? Right. To be able to say that it's, and, right. you know, I'm, I'm not reading into this only talking about NRBQ. Could this happen? Um, but, uh, but of course they made up, it was an instrumental. It was, there were no lyrics for that one. And they, they made up like six verses, uh, of Bonanza. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it went on and on. You know, there's Andy Kaufman involved in this. They love redundancy. They, they like hitting you over the head with things. Um, yeah. you know, NRBQ, if you've ever seen him do, um, Edmund Fitzgerald, Ooh. it's torture. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, and and they should they should stop doing it when they do it. And they know yeah. that. Yeah. And they know all the words to that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but they don't care. Yeah. It's they're funny to them. It totally, they, they're, they're not afraid to isolate members of the audience. And that, you know, if you could, if you could sit in on the joke, like, you know, that you, you're all the wiser and you're all the better of a person. So. All right. Well, listen, this this has been fun and we've got so much more to talk about. But before we get too carried away, I want to talk about what food I think NRBQ is. Now, we had we had kind of bounced around a couple of uh, different options. You had you initially said fried chicken, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I now, did. Is that because of the ties to Kentucky? I think it I, I you know, I thought about that and I and I can't avoid that reality. I, and And also. My father made um, the best fried chicken I've ever had. Um, he, yeah. he couldn't cook anything else. He couldn't make toast, but he <laughs> he could fry the living shit out of a, a of a of a chicken. Yeah. Um, and he was a Kentucky Colonel. Um, anywho, <laughs> uh, and, and and just there's something about you know, NRBQ right being from yeah. Kentucky. They sing about food. Um, uh, and mm, and yeah. I think fried chicken is in some of their versing. Um. But it's crackling and spurts grease and and uh, it keeps you on your toes when you're yeah. eating it and there's a tug with it, you know, yeah. off it's the messy. bone. And, yep. Yeah, it's, it's messy and, yeah. and it's and it, you know, it's kind of not good for you. <laughs> so it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, guilty yeah. pleasure, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. which makes it even cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I feel that. I that's what I don't know. When we talked about fried chicken, I I, I that's where my mind race to first sure now now i feel that and the the problem is is i i already in my head i've already cataloged certain foods that are going to be with certain artists and fried chicken is already taken uh so 
Yeah, I, I can't tell you. It's going to be. Well, I'll tell you. It's uh, nice. Yeah, nice. Maybe. Oh, I'll buy that. It makes sense. Um, yep. And let me lay down the facts for why I'm going with the food I'm going. Now, NRBQ, they are an American treasure. Um, and they are undervalued. The people that like our NRBQ don't just like them. They love them. They flock to the shows. They, you know, hoard the records at the record stores. It's a, it's a one-of-a-kind sort of thing. It's, it's something that a band would wish that they have, especially considering the longevity of this band. They never had a top 10 hit. Uh, the closest they came to was number 70, actually. They had hit in 1974. They had a song about gasoline. Oh, get that gasoline. Get that gasoline. Get that gasoline. They hadn't written for the gasoline crisis, but either way, the record label put it out and they scored a 70 hit. So it was their only entrance in the top 100 in the Billboard charts. Uh, that, that I think works for them well because they're not tied to having to play their hit every single night, you know, so that I think helps for the live show as well. Anyways, uh, we also said they're from Massachusetts and that's not totally correct. Everybody kind of comes from somewhere else. You've got uh, Joey Spampanato. Spampanato, Spampanato. He's from the Bronx. You have Terry. He is from he's from Kentucky, along with the original guitar player, Steve Ferguson. Mm -hmm. uh, they eventually moved to Miami. So it's it's what I'm saying here is it comes from a wide variety of different places yep. around the United States. So they, they don't really hone in on one particular, I would say, regional cuisine. This is about America. And <laughs> the band mixes everything together. You've got your country. You've got your jump blues, straight up rock and roll, uh, free jazz. It ranges from styles all over the place. You're putting all of this stuff together, all of the best parts about America. You're stuffing into one concise loaf. And as I said, we started talking about this around Christmas time, and I happen to be a big fan of this particular food, and I happen to make <laughs> this food as a tradition every year. Ladies and gentlemen, NRBQ is a traditional American fruitcake. Here we go. Grandma setting up patchwork clippings on rosy old TV stand. As Grandpa sitting there smoking his tobacco from a Sherlock Holmes style. Popping now march all the way down Memory Street. Grabbing apples for a nigga, yeah, everything's great. As the sun sets low with that chocolate syrup, the sensation is just as good. I'd like to ask you a side. All right. Well done. Step one. Well um, done. Thank you. Um... Maybe you have the same sense of humor of NRBQ, and that's why NRBQ has struggled to reach the mass audience that they... Well, they... Um, the, the NRBQ um, are, are really infantile. I mean, they, their heroes are the Three Stooges, and the yeah. first show that I ever saw them, um, I was just... I keep coming back to the humor. Um, I mentioned my father earlier, too. He, he, he turned me on to the Three Stooges. We love the Stooges. <laughs> And um, seems like and, a fatherly thing to do. 
It, it was, and he turned me on to pro wrestling and fried chicken. So you know, <laughs> I'm 300 pounds of speed and Johnny Dynamite go behind intestinal fortitude. I've been known to suplex from the knees. I can chicken wing, step over toe hold. I possess wrestling balance and leverage. I owe him. A, he also gave me high cholesterol. So God <laughs> damn it. Anyway, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the NRBQ love Three Stooges. They, they, you know, it's not it's not for everybody. <laughs> yeah, infantile is funny that you bring up too, because also the Chipmunks, Tom, Tom uh, Artelino, Artelino. One of his very first influences in life was the Chipmunks. He loved the Chipmunks. Yeah. Simon, I like to play baseball. Theodore. It's like it was that until he, he discovered the Beatles and then he said it was all Beatles there on in. And in fact, they even they even cover a Chipmunk song in uh, the album Don't Kick Me, which is pretty great. Or wait, Kick Me Hard. That's what it's called. Kick Me Hard. Yeah. With pretty women, we like to eat pizza, play ping pong too, but we don't like to paint the house, scrub the floor. The origins of NRBQ are a little bit uh, hazy. I mean, it's been a long time since that that all went down. Um, Terry Adams has said that when he was in sixth grade, quote, we were going to have a talent show at the end of the month. So everybody picked out what their talent was going to be and write it down on this card. I was entering, but I didn't know what my talent was going to be. I looked across the room and I saw the piano. I said, OK, piano, I'm going to do that. And it got him up on stage. I love that. Kind of makes sense. He sort of plays the piano as if he doesn't know how to play, even though he does. But if you've ever watched this guy play piano, I've never seen anybody take the approach that Little Richard does or Jerry Lee Lewis to the umpteenth degree. Like if he's not well, if he's not yeah. playing notes, he's just hitting it with his fists or his elbow or his feet. Or just making percussive noises. There's like songs that don't have piano, but he still can't help it, play it, along. Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? And, it really and you is. know, uh, he goes back and forth um, on electric piano and clavinet. So yeah. you know, the mm -hmm. same treatment with a boot heel and a flat palm and 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 an elbow on a clavinet is is disorienting and and weird. And a lot of people who have seen them live um, that don't like them don't like that uh, piano behavior. Yeah, um, yet, I can see. Um, uh, Terry's uh, mentor was Thelonious Monk. Um, yeah. And he can hold his own uh, on the old ivories um, uh, and, and even developed a relationship with Monk uh, over the years. Wow. Didn't he record some music with Bill Frizzell for mm -hmm. a Thelonious Monk? What was I think it? that I think I'm, I know the project you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but so for all of his, um, you know, whacking away at it, <laughs> yeah, it's almost yeah. like he can't help himself. It you totally, know? yes. He's got, it's just sheer joy and pleasure. You know? Yeah. We've got that tidbit. That's what get ter gets Terry in into the piano in the first place. Um, and then it says, oh, according to, to Wikipedia, and you can always take that with a grain of salt, but it says that uh, in 19, as early as 1965, there, there was a rehearsal band in Kentucky um, at home of brothers, Terry and Don Adams, 
Uh, Don is his brother who uh, is ends up being the trombone player for the group or, or part of what they eventually call the whole wheat horns. Sadly, as I'm editing this episode, I just received a, a word on the World Wide Webs that Don Adams, the co-founder of the original NRBQ, has actually passed away. Um, I don't have any more details, but I'm sure they'll be coming in shortly, and I'm sure you can look up and find out more about it. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention it at this point in time. So rest in peace. Carry on. They appeared on stage and along with uh, a drummer named Charlie Craig, and they'd also made home tapes of their experiments. And there was a reference at one point during these tapes where Don announces, here they are, the new rhythm and blues quintet, which if we haven't explained that yet, NRBQ stands for at this time, the new rhythm and blues quintet. This is, they changed their name a little bit later. We'll get into that. Uh, but this is before they've actually played in front of a live audience. So that is sort of the first time that this phrase is, has been uttered as early as 1965. Uh, so anyways, Steve Ferguson and Terry Adams, they're from the same hometown and they start a band called the Mercy Beats. Now, you might have heard of another Mercy Beats. This one is designated <laughs> Mercy Beats USA. There's another one called the regular Mercy Beats who have a song. At least this is how I discovered them. They have a song on an Elvis Costello record called I Stand Accused from Elvis Costello's record, Get Happy. which is a great, great, great song. Um, and, you know, kind of at that era, sort of it's rare really for Elvis to be covering a lot, a lot of songs, but, you know, a little diversion. Get Happy was sort of Elvis Costello apology record um, to the African community after he had gotten in some trouble. And we'll discuss that in another, another episode. Uh, but anyway, Nate, not, yeah. not to interrupt, but, but, um, as as you may know, Elvis Costello is um, a, a breast beating fan of NRBQ. Yes, yes, huge NRBQ fan. Trying to describe NRBQ to anybody is pretty difficult if they've never come across them. But you have to really just put on the records, and then you, and then that's when you, that's when you know what they are. So, anyways, this USA Mercy Beats, not related to that Mercy Beats, they moved to Miami, Florida, because uh, apparently there's more gigs in Miami, Florida than wherever it is in Kentucky that they're living. What is it? Shively. Shively. I've never heard of Shively. It's a suburb of Louisville, um, and it was, um, and it still is, um, uh, somewhat of a, a blue-collar suburb. A lot of General Electric uh, plant families live there, homeowners making, at that time, a, a good living oh. wage. Um, and that, That's um, home of my morning jacket, no? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Not Shively, but um, I think those guys are, are, are more uptown. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Louisville. Interesting. Um, so anyways, they're in Miami, Florida, and they meet a fellow named Jody St. Nicholas, whose actual name is Joyce <laughs> Bampanato. And uh, he will become the founding and longtime NRBQ bass player, uh, along with vocalist Frank Godler, who ends up uh, singing on the first handful of NRBQ records. Uh, these guys were in a band called The Seven of Us. Easy to forget, my love. All the things I now regret. 
we're, we're, I'm, fi I'm finding a correlation that numbers are a big important yeah i was thinking that too yeah um so anyways uh yeah steve and terry join the seven of us then at this moment they bring in drummer tom staley and this is where they change their name to nrbq which means new rhythm and blues quintet now here's the kicker they're five piece but they still have a two-piece horn section con consisting of keith spring and don adams and in 1969 they signed to Columbia Records. They released their first self-titled record, NRBQ, which is a killer record. To me, it doesn't it doesn't sound as NRBQ as, as like we're gonna get into, but you know, it doesn't have all of those other players. They've got a singer, they got a different drummer, and they have Steve Ferguson, the guitar player, um, later to be replaced by L. Anderson in the classic lineup. But Steve Ferguson is no slouch. He basically creates the template for what the guitar in MRBQ here on in is going to sort of sound like and like its place within the band. Right. I, I agree. I, I think that DNA was total old Testament um, meant to be. Now the difference in my mind between Steve Ferguson's playing, and this speaks to what you're saying with regards to how that first record, like a lot of groups, um, it yeah. sounds um, different uh, than later um, uh, projects, but, Ferguson was sort of a Zen master guy and he was into Cajun stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he was really an astral kind of creator, um, and a far out guy. Um, mm -hmm. you know, this kind you know, Sun Ra kind of far out, which of course oh, wow. they were devotees to as well. Yeah. They covered um, a, a, a Sun Ra song on that first record. And, and that was in no small part, I'm sure, due to Ferguson's travels, intellectual and artistic travels, um, mm. as opposed to Al Anderson, who we can get to, but who was, you know, a goddamn, you know, Frankenstein monster yeah. uh, mm. of rock and roll. Just, you know, no. <laughs> yeah. Enough said. Yeah. He 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 came. Al Anderson has a comes from a whole pedigree of great musicianship. <laughs> Al Anderson was a big fan of NRBQ and a lover of Steve Ferguson's playing and, and, you know, no doubt had some influence on, you know, Al's approach to guitar as well, you know, among many other influences that he surely had along the lines. So they put out this first record, uh, which also has my, probably my second favorite NRBQ song. Come on, everybody. Another cover. guys take a song and they make it their own song and and that um, speaks that speaks yeah. to a band like their identity shines through mm. um was that eddie cochran that wrote come on everybody it was i yes. think um yep. and so i heard nrvq's version of come on everybody before i ever heard eddie cochran and i remember same here when i heard eddie cochran's I was repulsed. I was yeah, like, yeah. Was, this, this is Whoa, shit, this you know? <laughs> Who, what, a, what, what a nerve of this guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but many shining moments on this album. And as a repeated pattern for this band, the album doesn't sell all that well. 
They are in the midst of a two album contract at this point. And so the record company says, hey, would you like to team up with legend Carl Perkins and make a record? And the band obviously says, of course we do. Uh, they make the album Boppin' the Blues. Well, all of my friends is bopping the blues and it must be going round. All of my friends is bopping the blues and it must be I kind of, I, even though I'd never gotten into Eddie Cochran before I heard, come on, everybody. Um, I, I kind of, I was, I was kind of a fan of Carl Perkins. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, not necessarily in that order. We always called sure. him the ugly Elvis. <laughs> That's what. That's um, why he's like the probably the least known on that very famous picture of all these very, yeah. very famous who, iconic artists. Yeah, who's the janitor in the yeah. in that shot? It's Carl Perkins. Carl <laughs> so Perkins. Um, but that some bitch could play the guitar. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of, you know, as a forebear of how the guitar should be played in the rock and, and roll people, vein. If people don't know Carl Perkins by name, they know him by his biggest hit, "Blue Suede Shoes." Yes, absolutely. So. Anyways, they record this record, and uh, lo and behold, it turns out that the record label was planning on this being NRBQ's last record with the label, and so they were dropped, and they were shocked. They they didn't know that that, that was in the cards. <laughs> so at this point, this is where Steve Ferguson, he decides to bow out of the group, and it's a bummer because we all know he's the man. And fortunately, we get to speak of lightning striking twice when on September 10th, 1971, Big Al Anderson plays his first gig with the band. Now, Al Anderson, he comes from Connecticut and he was previously in a band called the Wild Weeds and they had a regional hit called Ain't No Good to Cry. So I was playing on the radio stations out there and um, yeah, making a little splash. So, you know, he's, uh, he's becoming into his own. In fact, he signs his own, his own record contract with somebody else, which uh, ends up being a problem when they do their first recording. Um, quickly though, back to that song, Ain't No Good to Cry. Do you know who else records that song? No. The Allman Brothers. Oh, wow. They wow. recorded they recorded it on one of their first albums. Oh wow. And it actually went uncredited to a songwriter because they didn't know who recorded it. They just heard oh, it on the radio. Oh, wow. So they recorded it and put it out. Oh, that's so cool. Totally. We've been putting down other people's versions of uh their own songs that in our BQ covers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here's it, it, uh, it, a, a band covering uh an Al Anderson song. Absolutely. And and as we all know, I mean or you will find out Al Anderson, when he leaves NRBQ, moves to Nashville. Eventually, he's going to become like one of the most uh, revered songwriters in all of Nashville. Um, and the list of people that he record or has written songs for is astonishing. But anyways, let's get back into this moment in time. They have uh, secured the guitar slot, Al Anderson, and they are still performing as a quintet. So they put out the next record scraps i think yes great record i have that one um and it's it's an anomaly in their catalog because this is a very specific lineup you've got 
Still, their lead singer is in tow. This is going to be his last record with the band. And in fact, Al Anderson is not allowed to sing on this record because he's still under contract with his previous band that he had signed. Yeah, Frank Adler is, is still singing, so he sings most of the songs. But I think this is the first time that Joey does some lead singing as well. I mean, he, actually, he might have sang in some of the other albums too. Uh, but but Joey Spampanato, he does all of the songs that he has a hand in writing on this album. So it's a handful of, of songs. Seems that shortly after this record is, is made, that is when Frank Godler, he steps out. And they don't find somebody to take his place. I think they just decided at that point, they might as well just hand off the vocals to everybody else. They kind of find out that Al Anderson has a really amazing voice. in the same way that he has an amazing approach to the guitar he's extremely competent but he's sloppy and but that's that's like what's fun about nrbq is like the sloppiness it's you know it's like the best parts of songs is when they make a mistake you know like that's why satisfaction by the rolling stones is so great because because there's a there's a mistake in it he just he misses like hitting the distortion pedal at the right time and it's now forever ingrained in our hearts is like that's how the song is going to go and they they just play that way all the time it's it's true um, one would be mistaken to um, overshadow um, Al Anderson as a vocalist with his incredible ability and technique on the rock and roll electric guitar. Yeah. Um, uh, and and um, Gadler was a, was a terrific singer and, and, and had that, I don't know, kind of faraway lonesome tone to his voice. I, I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. Me um, too. Uh, but boy, you talk about landing on your feet. Um, and it's so interesting to me to hear you talk about um, uh, uh, Anderson not being able to sing on that one record because of the other contract. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but boy, once he opens his mouth and um, for my money, uh, Spampanato, Joey's voice is also so pretty. And it and it yeah. reminds me of, of um, oh, I don't know, just old old time crooners and 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 to, and and their voices together. Um, I stopped just short of calling NRBQ a vocal band. Um, they're many things, uh, and they have beautiful singers. But yes. Terry is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Great songwriter, but also you know he's the band leader, and he's he's smart enough to make those decisions to hand those up. Yeah. You know, sort of the Robbie Robertson of of, uh, <laughs> of this this particular ensemble. <laughs> yeah, we get one more record out of these guys before their drummer leaves. Staley. Staley. The next album is Workshop, and it this is the first time where they're sharing the vocal duties with with Terry, Joey, and and, and Big Al. And, and and you're right, really. If if somebody had to be the the number one lead singer, I'd say it's Joey. Joey, he you know, certainly takes most of most of the leads and has a great voice, which, you know, which is amazing. Like the like singing slash bass players. I'm always I'm always baffled by the ability. And of, there are a lot of good ones. You ever heard John Cowan on um, another Lowell Billion? No. He was Sam Bush in the Newgrass Revival. Can't pretend he's just got out of hand. 
Um, no, no, oh no, no. my God. Yeah. Um, it just a coincidence there um, on Louisville. But when you hear Big Al sing Cecilia, mm. yeah. You feel it. His soul mm. comes out. Yes. But Joey is so pretty. Yeah. Oh, it's like. He's like the, know, Car- the Carl Wilson of the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love her. She loves me. And I won't leave her. She won't leave me. Only I always picture. You know, almost the, the guys on the corner in, in New York City, you know, and do a, a cappella guys the way he sings. It's just, it's just, oh, it's just laser beautiful. So nice. When Joey sings, I love you, you love me. <laughs> get down with that. Yeah. You believe it. It goes, mm. Back to the album, Workshop. Uh, features one of their standards, R.C. Cola and Moon Pie. It's uh, Terry Adams showing off his amazing piano skills on that tune. Um, this is about the time that they do get that hit, 1974. Uh, reaches ni- uh, number 70 on the Billboard Top 100. Um, and then this is also when about their longtime drummer at this point, Tom Stanley, decides to leave the group as well. Uh, it turns out there is another candidate for drums, this fella, Tom Ardolino. Uh, apparently one night, uh, he he's he's always been a longtime fan of NRBQ, and I guess would even send like fan letters and, and tapes to the band. And anyways, one night uh, I was at a show and uh, came time for an encore. And I guess the old drummer, Tom Staley, wasn't feeling good, so he was out in the bus and never came back for the encore. And I told him I played drums, but I never was in a band before. I learned to play with records in my basement. And Terry just pointed over to Tom and said, get on. And I was scared of him. He came up and he just laid it down. Al, the guitarist, then turned around. He thought it was the old regular drummer. So when it came time to um, uh, try out for drummers for our band, uh, he was the first one that came to mind. And he's basically fresh out of high school at this point. So he, uh, you know, just kind of, this ends up being his career path. Becomes and Tom swings drummer. hard, you know. Oh, um, man. Uh, uh, he clubs him. Um, don't you think? He, uh, the, his drumming is incredible. It's just like the way he holds his sticks. A lot of people hold them with their whole hands and their fists but this guy holds him by his fingertips so while he's playing you know he does these fancy like he can flip the strips around it's just like his elegance is you know not to mention his feel like the fact that he can do this and just have this deep swing and deep pocket and and to me that's the number one thing that clues me in that i'm listening to an nrbq song is that finesse and that just deep swing like nobody plays drums like that i like that nate um and there's a reason why the word rhythm is in the name of their band yes Mm -hmm. you just said it yeah not only was he a slugger but like you say all the grace that he could also give the song so i I just have so many fond memories of him swinging hard yeah and the personality you know 
Like he is a presence back there. He's got this look. He's got like a, a, a curl of hair that swings under his right eye. Like a Harpo Marx. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. A lot of times when he has to talk, he'll just make meow songs. Hi, meow, meow. Hi, meow. Hope to come there soon. You want to give the guy a hug. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, he joins the band. And now we have the official classic lineup of NRBQ in place and they released the record all hopped up uh which is the first recording to have an al anderson song in the catalog uh riding in my car which i mean way to come in with a band It's my favorite. It just is. I I can't I can't help it. I, it um, I I like I like so many, but uh, riding yeah. in my car is um, yeah. I don't know. The changes in it are so um, inevitable, but mm-hmm. unpredicted, and 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 it's so musical, and it it also just makes you feel good. Yeah, like when and, you talk and what, about- you know, it, it's like listening to music in your car is is a phenomenon yeah. that we can all like describe, and that we've all um benefited from oh yeah um and 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 so if you look it up in the dictionary there's al's song what really wow no i, I mean uh, no but i mean did if, you know, you know if, yeah, what yeah, yeah. what is the feeling that you get when you listen to music in your car and you're rolling down the road it, it it's that song i've never listened to music more intently than inside the car that that's when you really pick things up so riding in my car is an ode to that and, mm-hmm. and, and it is flat out nails it. Absolutely. So with the lineup in place, they release what some claim is like the first real classic album, like the high watermark for NRBQ. It is the album at Yankee Stadium. And it's on Mercury Records, which is pretty exciting for them. They've finally, uh, they've, they've left Kama, Kama Sutra Records, which I didn't quite bring up. Kama Sutra was a, was a a label back in the day that doesn't really exist at this time, but the the people they had on this on this label was Charlie Daniels Band, Fifth Dimension, Flame and Groovies, Shanana, the Shangri Las, um, and in and in fact, in a, in, a, in a later mutation of the label, they uh, actually signed the Fat Boys. Now we may be a little choppy, but don't feel slow. We guarantee you one thing: we can surely come to the party and rock the house. Also on this record, most importantly, is the Love and Spoonful. Now, the reason I bring up Love and Spoonful is because John Sebastian, the, we'll say, front man of, the, of, of Love and Spoonful, which doesn't serve credit for, there, there's other gr- singers in that group, but all of the songs that we all know and love are, are sung by John Sebastian. He claims that NRBQ is basically the band that took the baton from Loving Spoonful at their ending as a, as a partnership and as a band. And this is kind of where NRBQ kind of picks up and becomes a band and it makes so much sense if you really dive into the catalog of the love and spoonful it really does sound like nrbq is just sort of taking the foundation where they mix all of these different genres together um at the forefront certainly pop song craft which is you know like is to say like craft craftily put together chords a la like what the beatles sort of built in the first place and 
you know, taking it to other dimensions and then throwing in all of these other influences of like country Western and swing and, and sort of not really tying yourself down to sort of one genre. Um, so I don't know. I always really loved that, uh, that comparison. And I thought that was nice of uh, John Sebastian to say, I think it's a pretty high compliment. Yes. I, yeah. And I can see the connective tissue sort of there in the mm-hmm. DNA of that for, for real. So uh, Yankee stadium, do you, you like this record, eh? Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. I like uh, we mentioned the uh, the I Love You song. And of yeah. course, you know, it's, it's not live at Yankee Stadium. No, <laughs> that's the other thing <laughs> that we should point out. And this is consistent with what? That the NRCBQ are a bunch of freaking knuckleheads, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they at take- the time, if you put live on a record, no one would guess that it wasn't live at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> it doesn't say live. It just says at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> so that's that's well, the technicality bird yeah yeah exactly um uh that that well there's this other band called uh joan of arc and they put out an album called live in chicago so you know <laughs> well <laughs> that, that 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 works yeah, yeah it works yeah yeah um but uh so famously there is a picture of them sitting in yankee stadium uh the the <laughs> the way that the cover happened, apparently it was taken on uh, Joey Spampanato's birthday, who's from the Bronx and a longtime Yankees fan. So they um, somehow got him in there when there was no game happening. So you take a look at the picture and it's just the four of them sitting in various parts <laughs> right. of the stands from a long shot. And there's nobody else in the stadium except for four, those four guys. At you Yankee know, Stadium. Yeah. You know, and it's it's. I always can't help but wonder, you know, the band, you know, when you're a band, there is a certain amount of, of like hope that you're going to reach a certain level of success. So it's, it's really hard to know, you know, where this sits in their hearts. I mean, clearly it doesn't bother them so much that they give it up. Like they, they keep doing it, but you know, when you're given this reputation of being like the best bar band in America, it's like, how are you according ever- to Paul McCartney? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how are you ever going to break out of that? You know, they, they should have went with like the stones. I was like the, the best rock and roll band in the world. You yeah. know, then, then they could be yeah. playing, yeah. they could be playing Yankee stadium for the love of all things. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I'll tell you what, that record, um, another uh, disappointment when I heard the original, they, they, they cover, um, Johnny Cash's get rhythm. Yes. On the Yankee yeah. Stadium. And, and, uh, and they just tear it to pieces. It's awesome. Hey! And then I, that's what that's the first time I heard that song. And then I heard Johnny Cash's version. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> this sucks. You know, it's like, <laughs> God, I never want to hear that version the rest of my life. There's another track we were talking about, Al Anderson's guitar playing and 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 his and his beautiful vocals, but it comes to me naturally. It's a yeah. really good example of he could really turn a phrase, mm. and so I would really ask people to listen to that with his lyricism in mind. It's it's very very clever and poetic, um, yes. and and just easy. It just glides through these 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 turns of phrases. Um, yeah as all great songwriters can do without calling attention to itself. It's just sure. so clean and gorgeous. Yeah. It's these, I mean, it's these turn of phrases that is the key to unlocking the door of him becoming 
such a notable songwriter in Nashville. Like he has a way of, of putting these words together and these thoughts, you know, that are just beautiful and gorgeous and poetic. And they don't make them like that anymore, unfortunately. But th thankfully, he's still there to sort of guide the young kids and help them along along the way. At least we hope. So once again, the album doesn't sell as well as they had hoped. <laughs> Mercury Records drops them. <laughs> more, more, more. And so they move on to their own record label, Red Rooster. Yay. And Yay! And they can do whatever they want now. So they released Kick Me Hard, which kind of has them going back to the devil could care attitude. Um, you know, Yankee Stadium, I feel there, there was some attempt to sort of like trim the edges a little bit, uh, fine tooth things, be a little bit more focused to an extent. You know, NRBQ has always been like, we're about the music. We're not going to try to fit into any mold. And, you know, well, as you'll see, anytime they ever try to, it, it really falls flat on their face. But Anyways, they released this great record, Kick Me Hard, which, uh, as I keep bringing up, has my favorite song, Hot Biscuit, yeah. Sweet Marie. Um, yeah. You know, along with... Uh, well, um, it was an accident. Um, and, and we talked earlier about the fun um, trick uh, when they play live the Magic Box. There's an actual recording of, of a live Magic Box uh, a song in that, and they cover North to Alaska. But it, that's a live track on Kick Me Hard. Joey says it's time for the box. The first song we're going to do from the box tonight, by your request. <laughs> North to Alaska. Uh, this one also has the chipmunk song that I was talking about before. Pretty things we like to do. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Which we they, like, they, but they changed the words. Yeah. <laughs> we like women. What do they say? We like red dresses when they're on women. Um, but we don't like to mow the yard, cut the grass, whatever. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's so sweet. Yeah. It's so sweet. And the, the other two cuts on that record that I love, um, and it probably doesn't age well, the topic itself, but it's about an accidental pregnancy. Mm. Um, not necessarily, you don't get the impression, un, unwanted, or I should say a near accidental pregnancy. Because you, you, you learn at the end of the song that... Um, I don't know, it, 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 a false positive or something, uh, or 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 the period was just late or something. But it was kind of, uh, mm. uh, you know, for for mainstream. Well, they've never been mainstream, but it it, yeah. it was, you know, not an easy topic. But in NRBQ's hand, it was an accident. I didn't mean it. Um, it was he's an singing. Accident. He's singing yeah. to his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and mm. um, and then this old house uh, is is so beautiful. That's a cover. Um, so bouncy and jaunty, and um, it's a that's a good record. Kick me hard. Great record. In in fact, uh, Ira Kaplan, the um, frontman for Leola Tango, calls this one of his like top five all all time favorite records. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. more testimonials. Um, because boy, that band 
um, yeah. can really get you emotionally involved too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. This here is a live version of What Can I Say, a song by NRBQ featured on that album Kick Me Hard, performed by Yola Tango. Yola Tango, of course, is a band that never shies away from playing cover songs, and it appears on one of their popular cover song albums, Fake Book. Enjoy. You know, and that's a band on record, you don't see it. Uh, but they also have a sense of humor. Um, you kind of see it more from them live. Like they're, and it's, it's that way. It's like, it's off the cuff, but if, if they're in a good mood, like you're going to have so much fun at a Yola Tango show from here, they move on to the next album. Tiddlywinks features me and the boys. And this is when they decide uh, they need to switch things up. And um, because they're big, big wrestling fans, um, turns out Captain Lou Albano is a big fan. And after one of their shows, they invite Captain Lou onto the bus. And, you know, they've always liked the wrestlers that Captain Lou had uh, represented. So they said, hey, you want to manage our band? And he said, sure. And so all of a sudden, their manager is Captain Lou Albano. You recognize this lovely melody? Well, I don't either. And furthermore, I don't care. The only thing I care about is NRBQ. Round the records, NRBQ, Tillywigs, baby, my kind of music. I love it, I live with it, I sleep with it, I eat it, it's mine! My kind of music, my kind of music. It's, it's difficult to know. I, I, obviously, it's a gimmicky thing. But as we all know, like the merging of rock and roll and wrestling becomes very prominent in the 80s with uh you know, Cindy Lauper and, you know, Hulk Hogan playing guitar. And sort of there's like a, a merge of these two things. NRBQ was ahead of the curve. They were really sure. the first ones yes. to do this. And, and again, a throwback to Andy Kaufman, who yes. found the absurdity in the false, you know, sports theater arena that is pro wrestling. And, and so I always sort of attach the ghost of Andy Kaufman to their explorations with Captain Lou. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, it was, you know, just plain dumb and cool that, <laughs> yeah. that they would bother with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because Captain Lou is a annoying guy. In the whole holds what me brother done. Da, 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 All right. Yeah, but yeah. Again, you didn't <laughs> so bother the cue one bit. Yeah, no. In fact, they I mean they heralded it. They 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 brought him out on stage to basically insult the audience and and tick yeah. everybody off. Like another version of playing, you know, Wreck of the Edmonds Fitzgerald, except you're just being assaulted by this man with a rubber band attached to his face for whatever reason. And <laughs> so funny. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, they they try that for a little while. It, it, I guess it it doesn't take off like most things for, for NRBQ. So once, um, once MB MTV really gets in and they start doing it, they just kind of abandon the gimmick, but you know, there's a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of great recorded material and you can check that out on, uh, Lou in the queue. Um, yep. And they, they have the song captain Lou Albano and the rest of the album seems to be mostly just captain Lou screaming <laughs> for various reasons, like the promotion of the album. And, yeah. 
And I wouldn't recommend that your listeners, you know, start with that one. No, don't start with it. Don't start with no, it. No, in wow. fact, don't even end with it. Don't even put it in the middle. <laughs> Just but listen to the song Captain Lou Albana. That's Which a is awesome. lovable, lovable yeah. tune. That's yeah. <laughs> Um, but of course, I mean, that that record was released for a certain reason. We're going to get to that really shortly. Um, their next album, they get picked up by Bearsville and Bearsville releases Grooves in Orbit. Uh, great song has what I, I forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think that's your favorite NRBQ song, Rain at the Drive-In, right? Yeah. Or at least well, I, one. Of, I, I said drive-in in my car, but it's it's that neck and neck. It's cool that you remembered that. Rain and it's the drive-in is the same. It's funny. They both involve cars. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, yeah. the can't see in, can't see out because of the condensation. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you for remembering that. Rain and the drive-in is actually a beautiful starting place for someone just wanting to hear a single cue cut. You know, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have like the rambunctious rock and roll, but it's a beautifully crafted song, you know, and they are good at sort of finding these little things in the world to that are beautiful and sort of, you know, untouched by the rest of uh, the songwriting vernacular. They find this really sweet moment in time and, you know, craft a, a gorgeous tune about it. Yeah. And then, of course, they, they continue to find ways to put, um, great American underrated songs into their, their projects too. You know, 12 bar blues is on that record, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, nice. um, and uh, it, there's two songs that just use the word girl in the title. And they, 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 they're so good at singing about that sort of almost high school puppy love. Um, yeah. Oh, ground zero um, yearning. Um, I, I like that girl is one of them and a girl like that. And there are two mm. different they're, they're variations on the theme of, you know, looking three desks over and one row down um, at, at that girl. And would mm. she ever notice me? And it's just so seductive in, 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 in a beautiful, sweet, innocent way. Those two yeah. numbers. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Um, also, on Wikipedia, it says that there is a version of them doing Tonight You Belong to Me, famously performed by Steve Martin and Bernadette. Peters in the jerk, oh, yeah. but I, I, my vinyl copy does not have it. So I don't, I don't know where that exists in the world. Um, one of the things about, about this band is they are not overexposed on the internet. Um, not all of their records are on Spotify or Apple music. So, you know, I think this is another reason why people really you know, seek out their vinyl because there seems to be some cases where that's... Why is that, Nate? Why do you think that is? Uh, good question. Perhaps perhaps the fan base of NRBQ is uh, the same people. They're just like, ah, eh, computers. Psh, I'll just have my son uh, fix, fix yeah. the flashing yeah, 12 maybe. o'clock on my VCR or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I tried, you know, building a Spotify NRBQ, um, you know, list and not that they have any crummy songs, but the the least great songs are the ones on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, the least great <laughs> Super records weird. up there. Yeah, yeah. There's, 
like uh, all hopped up is not is not on there no, or it's not on Spotify. I think it's on Apple Tunes. Um, mm. But there's another one. The the workshop workshop is not on there. It's not even on YouTube as far as I can I can see. It's, uh, yeah, I, that's really interesting. I I hadn't considered that, and it certainly falls into this theme of um, yeah. you got to look for them. You do, and, and that's that's what's fun about it. So this record comes out, and then uh, apparently uh, it doesn't sell very well. Um, and so Bearsville Records, they do well. well they they're the first ones to sort of tell NRBQ that they're no longer allowed to record any records. One of these like storied, like terrible contracts that we've always heard, you know, some bands have where they just have to live in limbo. They're, they're not going to put out any more of their recorded output, but they're also not going to allow them to record for anyone else. So now NRBQ is is stuck. Now they have to get a little creative to keep putting stuff out. So they do release like three more things. The first one's called Tap Dance and Bats. And it comes out in 83. It's made up of archived material and it's on Rounder Records. That's also where they release She Sings, They Play with Skeeter Davis. Skeeter Davis is a uh, an old country lady. She became Mrs. Joey Spampanato. You're kidding. Really? <laughs> wow. Curious to look up Skeeter Davis. Uh, yeah, she was married to the bass player of NRBQ, Joyce Baminato. They divorced in 1996. It was actually her third husband. Um, but it's noted that she was acknowledged as a major influence on such singers as Tammy Wynette and Dolly Parton. So maybe you and I don't know her as a household name, but she's the real deal. Carry on. Joey was starstruck and lovestruck um, yeah. uh, and was a huge fan of her music. And she was formidable, um, but I can't, you know, really be in possession of any great detail about her career. Um, but yeah. it's just one of those cool, <clears throat> you know, across genre connections, to say the yeah. least. Yeah. So after this, they finally get out of their contract and they release their next major label record in 1989. Um, and it's, this one's going to be on Virgin Records and it's called Wild Weekend. Now, this is, um, you know, at this point, they make their first, I believe, video uh, for It's a Wild Weekend. And it's, have you seen it? It's not good. It's, it, I mean, talk about a video that really makes a band look dated, you know, because the problem with NRBQ is they're about the music. They're not really about the look. Like they have a look, but it's 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 not a look that's going to translate to the youth of America <laughs> on MTV. What what's going on at this point? Like next to Poison and Guns N' Roses, and <laughs> you know, grunge is about to happen, or otherwise we've got Boys to Men and like Mariah Carey. And then you know, like look. I mean, big, big Al Anderson is a, a great guitar player and a singer, but I mean, he really looks like, what's that guy doing here? <laughs> you know, none of, I'll, none of that lineup is going to win any beauty pageant. None no, of them. None of them. None of them. They're no. all, they're all ugly in their own individual way. I, you know, and I mean, subjectively I, compared to like, 
Brett Michaels, let's say. Not, or, or you know, not Ricky like Brown. Elephant Man ugly, but um, yeah, no, but just you know, but they're not gonna make GQ, you know. You wouldn't um, pe- you wouldn't peg him as if if you no. didn't even know they were in a band, you know, you wouldn't no. peg him as being anything. Well, but to your point, they certain they weren't right for uh, the small screen known as television during those MTV days, but mm-hmm. we both know who they were right for, for television. And it yes. was really fun to see what they look like in the hands of uh, uh, the Simpsons. I remember the first time I saw NRBQ and you know, it's actually a very funny story. Yes. Yes. What rock and roll band can say that, that they, that they've appeared on the Simpsons, not once, but twice. I mean, they became the unofficial house band of The Simpsons. They had a number of songs. They, they, their song, Me and the Boys, appeared. I don't know. I don't believe this was first, <laughs> but I, I love this. What, during that, uh, that scene where Homer befriends a biker gang and they sort of take over the house. Me and the boys. Just me and the boys. You know, it's like so many songs you could have used. For that, you know, uh, born to be wild, but no, they went with went with that tune, and yeah, they even they even recorded like an outro, and I, I believe that there are only one of two times where the Simpsons showed a non animated bit uh, during their show, and it, it's like them performing live, I believe, somewhere in New York City, performing the outro for uh, the, the the Simpsons theme song. Yeah. To, to show how beloved they are by the people in the know, like the animators mm-hmm. loved it. You know, the, the, the people that were voicing the things, uh, forgetting the name of the bass player of Spinal Harry Tap. Shear. Harry Shear Harry. carries the torch for, for NRBQ as well. Loves them. Speaking of funny guys. Yes, exactly. So we get uh, to about, I think this is 1994 and Al steps down. Al, the guitar player, they they kind of do one more record, which is Message for the Mess Age, and which this is five years after that last record. So I'm curious what's going on. I mean, some cool things happen during this time. This is about the time when Joey Spampanato gets plucked to be the bass player for the movie of Chuck Berry's life. Yeah. Keith Richards is is handed the duty of putting together a band that Chuck Berry is going to tolerate which is not a very easy thing to do, which is funny because Chuck Berry notoriously never has a band. When he, when Chuck Berry gets booked for a gig, he tells a promoter, you have to get a band for me and there I have to know my material and we're not going to rehearse. And uh, you have to give me an eight hundred, like an extra $800. And if I like the band, I'll give you that $800 back. About five minutes before the show was time to start. Back door opens and he comes in by himself. And uh, he's got a guitar case, and that was it. You know, I guess he pulled up in his own car or something, didn't have anybody with him. And he comes into the band's room, you know. And, and we said, well, great, so it's about, she said, we're going to go on. So said, Chuck, and said, like, what? You know, what songs are we going to do? She says, well, we're going to do some Chuck Berry songs. <laughs> That's all he says. So it's quite stressful. And he shows up and he challenges the band. He'll change the key of a song in the middle of the song. And if you don't pick it up and he doesn't tell you, it's like, we're not moving to C sharp. He just changes the key of the song. And the band just got to figure it out. So anyways, it's a, it's a tough job. 
And in fact, they even do that in the movie. He does the same thing, like changes the key to a song. But anyways, the bass playing gets awarded to, to Joey. Um, and it's because um, the drummer at that time, Steve Jordan, who actually I think is now the drummer of the Rolling Stones, if I'm not mistaken, in, in Charlie Watts' hmm. absence. But Steve Jordan made the recommendation, you should check out NRBQ because this bass player doesn't play like an electric bass player. He plays like an old school upright bass player, um, sort of merging those sort of styles, like where his bass sits and like the notes that he chooses. And that ended up being a nice moment for the cue to sort of get noticed. We keep mentioning all of the people who matter, yeah. who appreciated the musicianship and the musicality of these individuals in NRBQ. It doesn't matter if it was the symptoms, doesn't matter, Carl Perkins, John Sebastian, um, uh, Chuck Berry, um, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and, and throughout as, as, as you've, you've articulated so nicely, you know, most of America walking around, you know, with their hands in their pockets, playing pocket pool, not knowing um, yeah. uh, about the queue. Yeah. You know, the queue is, is technically still out there though. They did take a pause after after Alan left. Uh, the guitar playing duties were given to Johnny, who is Joey's brother. So we had a really nice thing for a little while, where you have, you know, two brothers that you know grew up with each other. Um, I don't ne necessarily think that they were you know in a band because Joey was the older brother, but uh, you know Johnny was certainly clued in on his approach to music by you know the influences of his older brother and he was like a natural fit he jumped in and carried the torch the band puts out two more records and then come about 2004 they play their last show the NRBQ with this lineup with Tom Terry Joey and Johnny not the Ramones NRBQ and they played at uh, Shank Hall in Milwaukee that's their that's their last show did you happen to be at that show you know, I was thinking about that in anticipation, um, uh, and I, I, I can't remember. I, I've seen them in Milwaukee a couple times, okay. um, but uh, I and I've seen them more than a handful of times with Johnny. So I may well have been, but nice. Um, I, I can't remember. Well, what happens? Uh, they, they kind of they have to take a break because um, Terry is suffering from stage four lung cancer. So he has to get off of the road and clear this up. And apparently he does. In 2005, he has a clean bill of health and permission to resume life on the road. And um, unfortunately, the um, Spampanato brothers have kind of carried on in the absence of NRBQ with the new band. And they like that. They decide we're not going to go back to the NRBQ. So um, Terry, Terry moves on and, and starts a new group, the... Terry Adams, Rhythm and Blues Quartet, you know, obviously very similar in name. Uh, and then after a while, uh, everybody who goes to see them says, you know, this they're just as good as the Q. They might as well be called NRBQ. He takes the name back. But the rub is, is that he didn't really necessarily get the permission of Joey and Johnny and the rest of the members to carry on using that name. And... Joey wasn't too happy about it, but uh, came to understand that, you know, this has always been Terry's baby. And so over time, fences were mended and he said, go on. So at, at this very present day, you can go see NRBQ. They don't have any shows booked, particularly 
at this moment. I know they played a couple in December um, and we can only anticipate there's probably more to come. They're still recording. They're still making music. All the reports say, go ahead and see the queue and you're going to, you're going to get the same spot nudity and the same, you know, uh, yeah. pick, picking songs in the moment and Nate, still I, like I, the bass catalog. And I haven't know. seen the new, the new lineup. Um, yeah, but, nor have I. Um, in anticipation of our podcast together, I reached out to someone we both know in Madison here, um, who next to me is the second biggest NRBQ fan. And he has seen that lineup. And I, and I want to share a quote. Um, this is Bucky Pope, who is to American punk music, what James Brown is to soul. If you don't yeah. know Bucky Pope, uh, the Tar Babies, check them out um, and see band. what them apples are. Uh, in terms of, of sort of on the edge, um, on the ledge, um, punk music uh, from, from the 80s. This is what Bucky Pope says about NRBQ. The poster for the first NRBQ show I went to had two quotes on it. Elvis Costello, NRBQ is the best band in America. The second quote was from Bonnie Raitt, NRBQ are the best band in the world. And I had never heard of them before. My impression was, gee whiz, this is where some... My impression was, gee whiz, this is where some of Paul Westerberg's best stuff comes from. Boogie meets the Beatles with Sun Ra standing by to explode everything if the mood strikes Terry Adams. This was 1999. I've managed to see them at least 10 times since then. Every show has been a peak musical experience. I saw them in Milwaukee last summer, and it was just as exciting as the first time. As far as albums, the goofiness doesn't always translate but every record has three or four songs that can stand tall next to any of the classic rock stuff we've been worshiping all these years. Bucky Pope. Beautiful. Well said, Bucky. <laughs> well, I, I don't see how you put a better cap to our discussion here and segue on to the food. Are you ready to eat some fruitcake? I sure am. You sent it to <laughs> me in the mail. It's pretty yeah, greasy on the bag. It's uh, it's pretty greasy. Is, you know, is that because there's butter in it? We we gotta. I gotta I'm tell. You, I'm gonna tell you. Most times there is butter, but um, here let's let's cut a slice. Okay. Normally, I play my own music as bumpers in between sections on this show, but this time I'm playing you a Tar Baby song because uh, Andy was kind enough to ask the great Bucky Pope, guitar player and band leader for the Tar Babies, to uh, say a couple words about NRBQ. I didn't even know he was an NRBQ fan, but I'm not surprised because he is a curator and lover of great music. So listen to this lovely gem by the Tar Babies. Okay, Andy, uh, before, I don't know if you've taken a bite of this yet. Not yet. Have you? Now, tell me how you feel about fruitcake, because it's, it's a polarizing food. It is. Um, I feel like um, I'm in it. Well, it, like in RBQ, you either love them or you don't. And, yeah. and, and, and unint up until this moment, um, it, it hasn't been my jam. 
No. Um, uh, and maybe that's just because I've always had shitty ones. Um, Could be. Uh, and because I've always had dry ones, the the colored fruit in it, and and all of the look mm -hmm. uh, and the ingredients of a fruit cake are why we are so comfortable assigning it to NRBQ. Um, yeah. Uh, yet, um, you know, your strengths are your weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are like, "Why green cherries?" <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. eat a green cherry bite right now, mm. though, Nate. Do Here it. goes. And you Do made it. this, um, and you sent it to me in the mail. Which I was did. Awesome. This is, I mean, I don't really know anybody who makes fruitcake. I mean, I'm sure it is made. Um, I had, um, I started a fruitcake addiction at a certain point, um, just around Christmas. I'd say maybe seven, eight years ago. You know, my dad has always loved it and no one else has liked it. And I, I attribute fruitcake to sort of just being like an adult food, you know, like sauerkraut or tomato juice or anchovies. Things, kids don't like it, but you grow <laughs> up and, you know, you, you start to develop an appreciation for for it. And yeah, this is kind of one of those things. Uh, and, and you're right. It's tough to get a good one because they can be very hard. Um, and, um, you know, fruitcakes got a bad name. From what I understand, Johnny Carson had had made a remark um, back in the day. As I was putting together this very particular signature interruption that I like to do in the middle of my podcasts where I clarify something that I'm talking about in the conversation, I went down a rabbit hole of discovering all of the many, many, many times that Johnny Carson has badmouthed the fruitcake. He has done things as silly as bring a fruitcake out on a forklift and put it on his desk where it smashes through the desk. He has sent it to a demolition company that to try to quote unquote cut it. And I don't know, all this lame, badmouthing fruitcake jargon, which I don't appreciate, Mr. Carson. So hope you're happy with what you've done wherever you are. Carry on. But the result is America's view of fruitcakes changed. Um, I mean, before that, like a fruitcake is supposed to be considered like a like a highly, you know, like all your best stuff in the world is put in here. You know, like you've got your candied fruits and your nuts, and it's supposed to be like a very, um, you know, lush, sort of a, a representation of like, look how good we're doing in our lives. We can eat this mm -hmm. fruitcake. Um, hmm. and, and, uh, you know, especially around Christmas time and Costco, oh my goodness, made the best fruitcake really? and, uh, they don't make it anymore. And since the pandemic, they stopped making it. I wonder what happened. I don't know. But when I found myself over the pandemic in Italy for 10 months and craving all of these foods that I loved in America and not having access to them, including Buffalo chicken wings and cheeseburgers, which I, I had to like make Italian versions of these things. Oh, and burritos come Christmas time. It was, it was, it was time for, to make a fruitcake. Um, and I was excited because in Italy, it's not too hard to find candied fruit. It seems that candied fruit around the holidays will make its way into many of the desserts that they have there. Mm. And, and, and there are a lot of them. There's um, like uh, famously they have panettone, which is a, a Christmas cake. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's another one that they serve on Christmas Day, and it doesn't have fruit, but they're all sort of like circular and kind of you know like like a fruit cake, but it's not it's not an American fruit cake. An American fruit cake 
for what I have found to most Italians is repulsive. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's what's to, you know, like everything that, that they hate about Americans, like all of these multicolored different fruits and jam packed and, but I love it. Now, this fruitcake here is essentially the recipe that I had found. And what I do is I mix these, these different fruits and, and, and I think I put together about nine pounds of fruits and nuts. And we have dried cherries, you know, like kind of like the maraschino sort of looking deals. We've yeah. got the, we got the dried pineapples. We have mm. orange peel. Uh, but then we also have golden raisins and dates. And I think in future settings, I'm going to see if I can make a version of this that omits sort of these corn syrup processed fruits and try to go something with a little more natural because I, I think I can do it and sort of still get the satisfaction. So you, you take that and you mix in about three quarters of a cup of molasses, a large, as much as, much as you want to put in helping of vanilla, and I'd say about a cup and a half of uh, your favorite alcohol. Sort of a brown sort of alcohol. You mix all of these things together along with two pounds of nuts of your choice. I chose pecans, but you can also put <laughs> walnuts or kind of split the difference. Put that in a bowl, let it marinate for at least 24 hours. And so these fruits are going to take on these notes of uh, your, your bourbon. It'll, it'll make it a little peaty and smoky and depending on whatever it is you put in there. Uh, I put apple brandy in this one. Uh, also with and some bourbon as well. You know, it's kind of a Long Island iced tea, oh. I guess, after a while. And um, from there, uh, then I made the base of the actual cake, which is about five cups of, of flour, along with about six or seven eggs, two cups of brown sugar, one cup of regular sugar. Uh, I also would encourage you to put in some maple syrup. That goes in really nicely, too. I like to... <laughs> Sweeten things with maple syrup to get more of an earthy flavor. Uh, then you put in some spices. We have allspice. We have a lot of cinnamon. We have a good amount of nutmeg. I'd say like a, a teaspoon of each. Cinnamon, I'd say a whole tablespoon versus a teaspoon. Clove, I put in a teaspoon of clove. Make sure to be careful with your clove. If you go too crazy, it'll be weird. But just a touch of all those things. Uh, all those things mixed together along with the molasses, you know, it's it it turns out really well. So once you have your batter, then the the hard thing is sort of getting your batter and your fruit mixed together. And I had to do that in multiple batches because I came out with about nine fruit cakes when I was all always said and done, <laughs> which is good because uh, unfortunately, once I start eating this stuff, I can't stop. I find it extremely addictive. Like with these, <laughs> the flavors of the nuts, like the the savoriness combined with the sweetness of the, the, the fruits, uh, the tartness of the, the orange peel. And there's, there's also a little bit of lime peel, all of these different things, I think just go so well together. And on paper, I feel like it, it doesn't sound like it would be good. It doesn't look like it would be good. And, and a lot of people are scared of it because of the reputation that it has. And, but to me, Come Christmas time, like this and eggnog are just my very two favorite things in the entire world. So what are your thoughts? That was a really, really cool description. Um, <laughs> no matter how I'm finding it to taste. Um, <laughs> I, uh, during that eloquent um, soliloquy on fruitcake, I've been sampling the piece that you sent me in the mail and 
Um, I'm not just kissing up to the boss or the podcast when I say, will you marry me? <laughs> um, uh, I love the part of your description uh, when you were experimenting with it in Italy. And, and, and you were saying it represents kind of like what we we're saying within RBQ, uh, everything that is excessive about Americans. Um, and so the excessiveness comes through like a like a cannonball because um, yeah. there's so many things to, 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 to deal with. Um, yeah. And they're all yummy. Uh, but uh, to my palate, citrus and booze win. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Really fruit. good. Really, really. It's the, it's the only fruitcake I've ever um, tried that that I want more of. Awesome. I mean, I, I would send you more, but my father and I kind of just binged on it. I think we went through about three of them <laughs> over the Christmas holiday. And then progressively, as other relatives came, we'd be like, you like fruitcake? I don't know. And we'd give him a piece, be like, oh, my God, this is really good. But yeah, well, I mean, because 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 by making your own fruitcake, you get to have a thing that nobody has, which is a freshly baked fruitcake out of the oven. You know, notoriously, these things are, you know, have been sitting around for a year. So, you know, that doesn't help its reputation if, if you're eating a. But but I mean that is supposed to be the point of these though they they are supposed to hold, you know their edibility so to say. Um, and, they used and to it, have them in the holds of ships, didn't they? And like you know for scurvy <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I, I it'll, it'll cure what's ailing you. That's certainly the case. Um, but you know you I, killed it. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the what does the kitchen smell like when that bad boy? It's, it's oh in my there. god i mean Getting a little taste of that heat it's it's so mar- remarkable i mean but you do cook them very slowly for a very you know long period of time like you, mm. you cook it at a low temperature i think we had it about mm. 225 wow. and we cooked it uh, i, I want to say it was about two hours maybe a little bit more um you know traditionally for your baking test you have to just dip a little stick in there to, to see oh um i also forgot to mention yeah it is oily uh i i did put in i would say about a half half a cup of butter um room temperature and that was actually cutting the recipe in half <laughs> I, the other bit i put i always i always cut it in half and put in olive oil as well and olive oil doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do quite the same thing in bakery but it does it does supply the fat it's yumminess um, I also think that this it it helped really make this very moist. Um, it's super moist. I, yeah. I I should have pointed that out because people I think until you mentioned that are just assuming that this is a really good dry fruitcake, no. but yeah. it's anything but. Yeah. So, I'm 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 I am pleased that that you like it, uh, and I'm I'm very happy to be sharing this this fruitcake with you. And I know we tried to get Terry Adams on the show, uh, but you know. I, Funny enough, as fate should have it, turns out my good friend Andy Moore is going to be featuring Terry Adams on his show, WORT 89.9 out of Madison, Wisconsin, on Friday, May 12th. There's a show called The Friday Buzz. It's super early in the morning, but there's ways of getting it if you uh, are not living in Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, check that out in the aftermath of our podcast here. Carry on. Have you ever encountered in live in person, like the, the members of NRBQ? Yes. Um, 
uh, I, you know, my seeing them live, I was always the guy down at the you know very foot of the stage, you know, fanboying my ass off, but also dancing my ass off. But there was a show, um, and I think it was Shank Hall. The YouTube video that I think I've called to your attention. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it doesn't have a date on it, um, and it looked like it could be any club. And I think it was Shank Hall, but it might have been Louisville. It was in the early '80s, and. And uh, I'm from I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, as we already mentioned. Um, and uh, and and those of us from the Ville are, are, are you know somewhat of a brotherhood. And and they've got University of Louisville stickers on on their gear cases and things. And and I just walked into the dressing room and I said, Hey, I'm from Louisville. And um, that's that's all it took. And and, and <laughs> the, the, you know had a fun conversation. And and I. I I, I I don't I forget what I said. Uh, this was in the early '80s, maybe mid '80s. Um, Man, uh, so so long ago. But um, in the prime. But I got ter- I got Terry to laugh, and <laughs> um, and and we've had I, I think we've been very successful in our podcast, um, uh, talking about the value of humor in life, and and the value that NRBQ places on humor in their art, and so that was a great memory I, I, to see him laugh at something that I said. And I went back out to the, to the crowd just moments before they took the little bitty stage. And, and they, they oftentimes in those days started uh, with a number that introduced the band uh, by name. And it's called Here Comes Tom. Uh, and it's Here Comes Tom, Here Comes Terry, here, here comes, comes Al, Here Comes Joey. I mean, Here, here Comes. comes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so great. And much to my absolute freaky delight um on the second verse they they in terry sang and inserted here comes andy moore and i i just stood there and i was like i, I think it, it freaks me out more now um, yeah. than it than it did then it just seemed like ah you know they're giving me a little nod for hanging yeah. out with them and that's what they did and so Yes, I, I have honor. <laughs> I have uh, touched the hand, <laughs> man, and made it and made it into song form as well. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, Andy, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Uh, thank you for liking my fruitcake. Thank you for exploring the world of NRBQ, and 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 I hope that some of our listeners who may not know them so well. Uh, get to like them more. Maybe we should put together a Spotify playlist that we can share with everybody. So I that, think that, um, that would be that would be a good thing to do. Um, yeah. If get we folks- just get one or two more sets of ears on this band, we will have done our 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 our, our job has been has been done. Absolutely. This is a word of mouth band, and from mm. our word to your ears, we really hope that you uh, heed to our advice. Check out NBRBQ, everybody. So with all of that, thanks again, Andy. And uh, thank you, I'll, Nate. I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, pleasure was all mine. We'll see you around Madison one of these days. All right. All right. Be well. Thank you, Andy Moore, for braving that fruitcake tasting. I'm turning people's impressions of fruitcake around one music lover at a time. As I said, if you're able to access 89.9 WORT out of Madison on the Friday 8 o'clock buzz, Friday, May 12th, he's going to be conducting a great interview with NRBQ's captain, Terry Adams. Tune in if you can. 
Well, that's all for me. Thanks for running into this bank of beer food. Please rate the show and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can give us a positive review. If you're in Greenpoint, Brooklyn on Friday, April 28th, come out to the Greenpoint Loft for a fundraiser for my son's school, PS31. I've put together an 80s tribute band for the occasion consisting of tons of talented parents of the kids in that school. We're raising money for arts, music, and all the good stuff that kids need educating for. It's an open bar, folks, so come out, one and all. Until next time, this is your host, Nathan Palin, saying cook on and rock out. Ciao, ciao.